Hey everyone, here's another new episode of Find Your Film, the Find Your Film podcast. This is episode 135. I was on point this week regarding the number of the episode, episode 135. Thanks to my co-hosts. I'm going to say my co-hosts because I'm very narcissistic. They're my co-hosts, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky. First of all, thank you guys. They're actually giving me an extra 15 to 20 minutes late start time for this podcast because they were they allowed me to watch this interesting film called Vesper. Eric Holmes, uh, just just to tease our listeners, Vesper, little little just random word association game. When you think of Vesper, what kind of images or thoughts or words or most importantly words pop up in your head? Uh, I'll just say this movie's growing on me. Growing on, oh, growing on you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm glad that you planted that <laughs> seed, Eric Holmes. Dead for a Dollar is another movie we're covering this week. Dead for a Dollar. It's the latest film from Walter Hill. A little teaser from Bruce Perky. Dead for a Dollar, or is it more for more like Dead for Fifty Cents? Bruce Perky for this <laughs> Walter Hill film. Fifty cents or a dollar? What would you buy it for? I'm just gonna say, why would you only have one whip when you could have two whips in the same movie? That's a lot of bull. That's a lot of bull, (laughs) Bruce Berkey. Our third feature for this episode 135 is Mona Lisa and the Mad Hatters. Is that the correct word, Uh, Mona Lisa and Mad Hatters? No, that's an Elton John song. The actual title is Mona Lisa and the Bad Moon. Eric and Bruce, can you? how bad is the bad moon or how awesome and how beautiful is Mona Lisa? Any any kind of teaser uh, descriptions or hints? We can throw our listeners. I believe some people may be moaning for Lisa. Okay, sticking with the puns, right? <laughs> moaning for Lisa. Thank goodness this is not this is not cinematic. That's a that is a family show. Thank goodness we are not a family family show. We are we are not family whatsoever. In fact, we don't like each other. We're not even family. Yeah. Uh, so are if we you family? have a family, you get the hell out. <laughs> okay. We're speaking of not getting the hell heck or hell out. Eric Holmes, you've been hard at work actually promoting films that are in the ether or promoting indie films, projects. What have you got for us up in this Find Your Film podcast feed coming up very soon? Yeah, I did an interview with this guy, Michael Pickle, and he's doing a crowdfunding campaign on October 4th for a movie he wants to do called The Dead Place. And uh, I, I did an interview with him and got a, got some kind of backstory on him and his previous attempts to... Uh, uh, make a feature length movie, and I th- he's got some pretty. He's got some pretty cool stories. I think. How'd you anyone... find this guy? How'd you find the the dead place and uh, what Michael Pickle? How'd you? Uh, I think I just found him on uh, Facebook. He posted something about uh, I'm going to have a thing soon. And I was like, well, hey, we like talking about that. Come on our show, and it's like, cool, I'll do it. You know, you just you just found it, and you, yeah. you just followed the steps of progressions as a as a journalist or a re- interviewer and you just journalist you just, <laughs> well, interview, let's just say an interviewer you just you just did you do diligence right yeah it's just like oh he seems to be a cool guy doing a cool thing so let's talk about it i don't think that's so cool eric holmes bruce perky do you what do you think about eric holmes actually trying to do his job and actually be a be a real podcaster and researcher i don't we're not supposed to do that are we, are we being professional no, no we are not supposed to do that you are supposed to sit in the corner and wait for greg to call you up and then you come to life like a robot, uh, and then you talk about movies. Yes, Eric. Don't am I going to? Am I in trouble, guys? Am I going to get beat on for this? You know, uh, right? No, no, no. The only beat ons we get is Peter Beta and the skin beating every week for <laughs> middle class film class and our music. No, you. Uh, well, I guess I don't know. I don't know. I guess Bruce and I will forgive you this week for actually doing your bleeping job. With I'm really excited what the Dead Place is all about with Michael Pickle. 
We will put that on our podcast feed later this week after this show is released. So it was a really good chat, Eric. Oh, Michael? yeah, yeah, it was really good. We'll I'll probably have him on again, I think. Okay. Assuming you don't beat me to death before that happens. If we're not going to beat you to death, then again, to, to uh, beat a dead horse, uh, Peter Beta will skin beat you to death. Okay. Now, final promotion. I am that dead horse. <laughs> Darn that dead horse. By the way, check out, speaking of horses and dead horses, check out our Cinematics Patreon. I have no idea how I'm able to actually coalesce and congeal or actually put these two together, but I just talked to Anderson Count for this Cinematics Patreon. There's a lot of horse talk. We talk about Sunday. What is it? Sunday, Bloody Sunday, Sunday, or no, Black Sunday, starring Robert Shaw. Have you guys ever seen this movie, Black Sunday, John Frankenheimer? Oh, Bruce is not um, that. I don't oh. think so. I think you, do you like Bruce Dern? Do you like Bruce Dern? Uh, Eric I do. Okay. I think you might like Black Sunday. I thought, I thought I did, because I seen the Black Sabbath, and mm-hmm. isn't there another horror movie called Black Sunday? Because I thought mm-hmm. I saw a movie called Black Sunday, but I don't think it's, it's not the one you're describing. I don't Yeah. Think. Black Sunday rhymes with Mario Baba. We did that when the first couple of episodes of, uh, Find Your Film and Black All Sunday. Right. That, spoiler alert, I, I like Black Sunday a lot better than the, okay. So Black this, Sunday this is a film. different one then. Yeah, this the, is the yeah. one you're talking about. Right. Mario Bava Black Sunday or John Frankenheimer Black Sunday, Bruce Perky, oh. which one do you prefer? Which um, one do you prefer? Uh, B comes before F, so I would go with Bava. <laughs> Very good. Bava over Frankenheimer any day for Bruce Perky. This was my first lessons under the Find Your Film universe. Bruce and Eric Holmes, they taught me the, the beauties of the Jallo universe and Dario Argento, Mario Bava, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, our fellow compatriot Anderson Cowan does not uh, share our sentiments regarding Jallo. Are you a little bit disappointed, Eric Holmes, that our buddy Anderson Cowan does not love Jallo and Suspiria and all things Argento like me, you and Bruce? No. It, I mean, as you say, Bruce, or uh, as you say, Greg, different horses for different courses, different people like different things. So, if they, I mean, also, it's a matter of, uh, I think, Jello is one of those things that some people need to, you know, they need to ease into and uh, get there eventually. Yeah. Listeners, don't listen to Eric. Eric being very nice. Life's very short. If you like, if you don't like Jallo, that's on you, right? Right, Bruce? That's on you, Bruce, right? Uh, um, if, wait, wait, horses. Okay. Let me try to put this in a cowboy context. <laughs> horses, some cowboys horses. wear cowboy hats and some cowboy wear, cowboys wear like farmer's hats, kind of. And I guess Anderson's kind of that farmer hat kind of cowboy. Yes. Anderson also liked the gray man. So we, the, our three features are Vesper of Dead for a Dollar, Moon and Lisa and the Blood Moon, fi- Blood Moon final promotion. Next week is going to be our last director spotlight for a while. That will be spearheaded by Eric Holmes. Eric, who is the director that we are spotlighting next week? Uh, we're doing James Bridges, and we're doing his movies Perfect and Urban Cowboy. And uh, I've seen Urban Cowboy more times than I can count. I have not seen Perfect at all, so this will be this will be a fun uh, mix match, mishmash. I think mishmash, mishmash, mishmash. Yeah. Stuff mish- I've seen, stuff I'm very familiar with, and stuff I'm completely not. But uh, he's got he's got some good. What 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 else did he do? Bright lights, big city. He did uh, the China Syndrome, which watch that China Syndrome is so good. Um, and I'm guessing that uh, Perfect is going to be just as perfect as the rest of his movies that I've seen. <laughs> This James Bridges is not an arbitrary choice from Eric Holmes, and this is where I actually profe- just on the mic, just basically apologize to Eric Holmes because Eric Holmes, you've loved James Bridges for a while. How do I know? Well, about five or six years ago, you sent me and Anderson a DVD copy of Bright Lights Big City oh, directed yeah. <laughs> by James Bridges, which I still have yet to see. It's actually in my living room, and one of these days, 
maybe I'll see you next week as a surprise viewing for go. our James Bridges Spotlight, Bright Lights, Big City, headlined by Michael J. Fox. And it features one of my favorite Prince songs, Good Love. Speaking of Good Love, this is our first feature. I, I did not give a lot of good love to this movie, Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon, because I was not able to see this movie yeah, because of press time. I, I'd like to say that just, but I was irresponsible. It's in theaters on, on digital and on demand. My betters, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky were able to see this. I'm going to take this proverbial cinematic football. I'm going to hand it over to Bruce Perky. He's going to start talking about the plot line or the, maybe the summary, whatever <laughs> he wants to say about Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. First of all, number one, the moniker is kind of crazy. I looked at a clip. There's Kate Hudson doing some kind of chew, scenery chewing performance. So what, are you like some kind of witch or something? How, how'd you do that? I don't know. But like you can just make them do whatever you want? You could control all the out there with just your mind? I mean, wow. I knew something freaky was gonna happen tonight. I can just feel it, you know? When it's a full moon, I like feel it in my ovaries, I swear to God. You, you don't really sound like you're from around here. I mean, you live in New Orleans? I'm not going back there. But did she, like, run away from somewhere? And it's written and directed by Anna Lily Amirpour, who is a very interesting filmmaker. I have yet to see any of his, her, her films, but A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, I remember several years ago, it's considered a really a great, great movie. I think she also did a movie called The Bad Batch, if I'm not mistaken. And anyways. Oh, okay. Okay, so Eric might have seen that. It's running at 107 minutes. Bruce, what can you tell our listeners about this movie? Well, describing the plot of this is definitely going to be a little tough because it's not a plot-heavy movie. Basically, it starts out with uh, our main character, uh, Mona Lee Lisa, played by Jian Zhang Xiao, who I, re I recognized, but I couldn't remember where I saw her from. She was in The Burning, which I have not seen, but she was also in that movie, The Call, which you might recall me talking about a couple of years ago, which and is I Korean. It's really good. This Korean twisty thriller and stuff. That's really fun. Why have they not remade it in the States? I'm glad they haven't. Just go watch the original. <laughs> but you should watch it. It's it's very underappreciated. Anyway, she plays Mona Lisa Lee, and she starts out in an asylum uh, of some sort. And uh, she's literally got a straight jacket on, and she's stuck in there. And very quickly, she escapes. And I don't know if I should even talk about how she escapes, but there's a way that she, there's a way that she specifically escapes. And then the rest of the movie is kind of her as a sort of fish out of water, almost like an alien, almost like she doesn't know too much about modern society as she walks through the streets of New Orleans and meets various denizens of the night in New Orleans and eventually makes uh, connections and friendships. But this is a free-flowing, follow a character through various scenes and characters, and there is a story there, but it's really mostly about 
kind of the experience of following this character through that world. And, vignettes, um, vignettes, anecdotal not, kind of. Not really reveal? vignettes. No, it's not vignettes. Uh, it. I would say the first twenty minutes or so is literally <laughs> her kind of just wandering through and meeting various people and kind of going from one place to another. But then it kind of settles into a more a more elongated uh, character development between her and the Kate Hudson character and Kate Hudson character's kid. Kate Hudson character is Bonnie, and uh, she Bonnie is a stripper at a French Quarter lowdown <laughs> strip club called the Panty Dropper, I think, if I remember correctly. <laughs> the Panty Drop. Panty Drop. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Eric. I'm, I'm sure you had the... Uh, <laughs> you kept... Made a mental note. Um, this is a movie that you you vibe with or you don't vibe with. And I think... Uh, through This is one of those movies that Eric and I were literally watching at almost identically the same time and reacting to in real time to, to each other. And one of us was either a minute or two ahead of the other the whole time. And we were both kind of reacting similarly as it went. Uh, but I would say overall, I, I really enjoyed it and I really got into the vibe and I really liked the characters. And I could see this being loved or hated depending on kind of where you fall on the vibe. I guess I could say the term uh, vibe. That's, that's what you say that. Could you have yeah. actually, let's say it's a Thursday morning and you're in a bad mood and you watch this, would you react in a different way? What I'm saying, it just could it be a, one of these, if you're in the mood for it kind of thing and might give or... Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. Once again, let's see what Eric says. I don't think it's as much what mood you're in, but it's kind of what style you like. So if, if you start getting, I would say this is definitely, we say this every so often. This is one of those, Hey, you're 20 minutes or so into it and you're digging it. You're going to probably dig the whole thing. And if you're not, you're probably not going to dig the whole thing. Uh, but I really quite liked it, um, a lot. And I think Eric and I were bouncing back. Like, what do you compare it to? How do you compare this? And I think I came down on, what did I say? Uh, fried berry meat something i forget what it was i love fried like uh uh jello or was it one car wide doing jello with like a sprinkle of fried berry or something yes my gosh that's a great combination that is a pretty good description actually (laughs) and since we're new orleans it's a gumbo pot of influencers that sounds really interesting bruce really liked it eric and did you feel the same way did you really like this film if so what where does this movie hang its hat on, you think? I don't know what it hangs it. I didn't know this was the same uh the same director that did the Bad Batch with uh Jason Momoa. Mm-hmm. That totally makes sense. It, if you guys seen that, it's like the this movie's kind of similar in that the opening scene kind of starts off and it's like, "Oh, I know what this movie is," but then like the next scene comes around and it's like, "Oh, I don't know what this movie is." <laughs> And then, uh, is that a good thing when that yeah. happens? Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it kind of keeps you on your toes. Like, uh, um, you know, it's, but like, like Bruce said, you have to, you have to be in for that sort of thing. Uh, some people aren't, I guess, but I think, I would guess a lot of people listening to this would probably be into that because it's, it's at times it almost feels like it's its own genre of movie. Uh, cause it's hard to, it's hard to put your finger on, on what, what it is. Cause it, it'll feel like something and then I'll just move to something else and more like a character piece, I guess. Um, like not quite, uh, it's not anything like the greasy strangler. Greasy strangler is way its own thing, but it kind of feels like that in that when I'm watching greasy strangler, I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen a movie quite like this before. Like this one has a certain kind of flavor to it that I'm not quite familiar with. I'm um, not quite as obvious as greasy strangler but kind of uh just i don't know I, I i felt like i was watching like a truly unique vision with this and uh, i really like the characters and oh fucking uh oh god what's his name craig craig robinson. robinson craig robinson 
Yeah, he's, he's great really in this. Good. And he's not the the funny guy, which is kind of it, it it's always neat when comedic actors do stuff like this where it's like it's not like a real heavy dramatic role. He's still kind of light through most of it, but it's fun when you get to watch a comedic actor kind of stretch a little bit and do something a little different. And the uh I don't know what his character's name is, but the door Buzz? guy. The oh not different, not different guy. The door guy. Oh no, that's snow. <laughs> snow, yes. Well, that's snow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this this thing is actually loaded with great characters. The the guy at the running the door at the panty drop is probably my favorite. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a really cool movie. I would check it out. And if you don't like it, I I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to tell you. Wait, no, no, the vibe. What's the vibe that people will not like this movie if there there is some I, genres go, it's kind of uh it starts off horror and then it kind of goes almost like a hangout movie sort of. And then it ends almost kind of drama and then like thrill as far as genres go, it kind of goes all over the place. Would you say there's a little bit of Harmony Corinne to it, too? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, here's here. I guess I give an example. So, on the soundtrack, we didn't talk about the soundtrack. Soundtrack is really cool. And not my genre of music necessarily overall. But it's a lot of, like, I don't know what you, what you call it. Like, um, chill, hip-hop, I don't know, wave stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No. They played snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, for example, here's a scene. Is that you have the snow character. Uh, oh, and other thing I would point out is she meets a whole array of characters in the first part of this movie, and they all come back around. Yeah. So you get to re-meet all these characters later on, but now you know everybody in a different context. And that's kind of fun, I think, too. So it gives it kind of a, a closure, I feel like, that's really nice. There's a scene where our snow character, he's kind of this – he's the kind of guy that has a disco ball and, like – leopard or zebra prints inside of his car and a glow light and there's a scene with him extended scene almost silent with music blaring in his black light illuminated uh apartment while he's just delicately cooking some fried eggs <laughs> and you're just watching it and you're just digging it or you're not digging it and but i mean that's that's the kind of thing you're going to get in this these kind of scenes where you're just going to going to go with these characters and you're finding out what they're all about it's it's good. I like it a lot. Well, Ed Screen is in this movie as Fuzz. Yeah. How, how's that character Fuzz? Yeah, that's snow. Oh, that's Snow. <laughs> that's snow. We call him Snow. <laughs> he he, he, he oh, looks cool. like Snow from Informer. So as soon as he so popped funny. up, I'm like, oh, Snow showed up. And it's like, his name's Fuzz. I'm like, I'm calling him Snow from now on. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that is played by Ed Screen. He's a very interesting actor. You know what's interesting about Ed Screen? He could have been this. He, what, how old is this guy right now? He is. He, 30 oh he's almost he's 38 he started in deadpool as ajax and he's he's one of these guys who could be a, a straight an a-list actor he was the lead in midway as well back in 2009 but he really picks these really eccentric type of roles really like him he was a naked singularity so very interesting actor so I, i'm i'm excited to see this movie to see if it's any good so that is what would you guys rate this movie what would mona lisa and the what is the bad moon blood moon bad moon bad moon i was waiting for the end to see how much i like the end and I did like that. The, the end wasn't like a like a huge twist or anything. It was just kind of real satisfying to me to where the characters and the story was going. So I really enjoyed the end. So that was kind of that was basically what I was going to hinge everything on. And the hint, ending worked for me. So I'm going to go five stars on this. Five stars from Eric Holmes, Mona Lisa, and the Blood Moon in theaters. Not Mad Moon, Blood Moon in the my bad in theaters on digital and on demand. September 30th. Bruce Perky, your rating on the film. I'm a uh... Close. I'm four and a half stars. Holy crap. What? Four and a half stars. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, missing, it's really good. I'm missing out on a movie. 
Wow, four and a half for Bruce Perky, five-star banger for Eric Holmes, Mona Lisa, and The Blood Moon. If you watch this movie and you are disappointed with it, and it's not a five-star banger, more like a one-star what the F happened to me, go email ericholmes at hamslime at gmail.com and he'll, <laughs> yeah. he'll respond. And I will tell you how you're wrong. Oh, yeah. ooh. <laughs> but some people will. Some people will. I can absolutely see certain people watch this movie and it's just not yeah. for them. This is one of those it's not I, for you or it is for you kind of movie. Am I going to like I, it or not? I, I think so. I think I, I think this is also one of those movies like even if you don't like, you know those, those movies that even if you don't like it, it's like, oh, I don't like this, but I see how it's a good movie. Yes. Or like I yes. see how it's interesting or well-made or whatever. Like I, I don't think that anyone can watch this and go that these filmmakers don't know what they're doing like the, mm. it's just impossible it, this is a movie where you know the person is putting on the screen the vision that they want and yeah. you don't if you don't like it you at least respect like okay they're really showing me what they want to show me those kind of movies i always at least respect the idea of them you know okay cool i'm excited to see this movie mona lisa and the blood moon so very excited for this movie again highly praised from both, both bruce perky and eric holmes Hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer. There was a teaser. There was a trailer. Trailer one, trailer two. Final trailer? I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist! Uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy! All That's right. awesome. You're going full Danzig. Right, I am. My, my trans game has no power over me. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of high praise, part of Find Your Film is we really revere filmmakers. One of those filmmakers, one of our top filmmakers that we revere is Walter Hill. He, during his career, I mean, he's helped create Alien. He's, as a director, I mean, what? Give me some movies of Walter Hill that you love, Eric Holmes. You are the uh, big Southern Comfort, Streets of Fire, uh, 48 Hours, another 48 Hours. By uh, the way, who is the lead actor in Streets of Fire? Michael Perry. Mm, do you like him? Yeah, I, I love Michael Perry. Interviewing him on Monday. Just a little FYI. Did you know? <laughs> so anyway, Streets of I Fire. Have, I, I will write down so many questions for you. Okay. Yeah, you can write. What, what's he doing? What's he doing? I, I, I'm sorry to turn this into Michael Perry song, I, I, but you there, brought it up. There's a, he's doing a movie called The Philadelphia Experiment. Just kidding. He's doing a movie called They Crawl Beneath. I don't know. Might be an in. So I'm yes, in. send me those questions. You can uh, send me those questions at bruceperky at gmail dot com. I'll make sure to ask those questions for you. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. That's a joke. That you can send. Yeah, you know my email. Send it to me. I'll make sure Michael gets a couple of those questions. Yes, sir. What do we have right now? We have a very interesting movie called Dead for a Dollar, directed by Walter Hill. What are some of your favorite Walter Hill films, Bruce Perky? He pretty much listed them. <laughs> so. oh, Southern Comfort, Streets of Fire. <laughs> What, what did you Eric say? Said. Oh, wait, wait. I can't hear it. What, what, what did you say, Bruce? Oh, Brewster's Millions. Oh, you said, oh, wow. Brewster's Millions. like that as Undisputed. well. What? Which one? Undisputed. Undisputed. Yes. And uh, what else? Warriors. Warriors. Yeah. Warriors. Oh, yeah. Warriors. Not I forgot Warriors. about that. Yeah. That's movie I haven't seen, but I'm sure Eric Holmes loves. I, I still haven't seen it. A movie called Trespass. I'm assuming you like that movie. So there's a lot of, int- you know what? A bullet above the head or bullet for something like that with a silver. Special in silver. Bullet in the head, which look. Or a bullet to the head. Bullet to the Head, one of those bullets, Sylvester Stallone film. Most people probably didn't like that movie. I loved it. I'm a huge Walter Hill fan. Same with Eric Holmes. Bruce Perky, are you a Walter Walter Hill fan as well? Or not as big as me and Eric on this? I wouldn't say I'm like a fan like the way I would be like for Carpenter or something. But I I like a lot of his stuff. And you see the genius behind what he does, what he can do. He's one of the co-creators of Deadwood. His number one genre is Western. So with Dead for a Dollar, I was so excited. It says the poster, a film by Walter Hill. And it, you know, it starts off really good. 
really well. Christoph Christoph Waltz, I guess he's reprising his role as from uh, Django Unchained, maybe in a poltergeist spiritual level. He's resurrected as he's a bounty hunter. Wow, bounty hunter. And he meets one of his former subjects that he, he captured, played by Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is going to be released from prison. He is a gunslinger who was captured by this bounty hunter played by Christopher Waltz years ago. And Defoe promises Waltz, he goes, you know what? You and I, we have a final showdown one of these days. I'm going to get you for getting me years ago. And the way he did was while Willem Defoe's character was sleeping, I think naked or just sleeping in his bed, Christopher Waltz just came in and with a gun and arrested him. The Willem Defoe character, he's a criminal, but he has his code. And he's just really pissed off that this bounty hunter did not get him out in the streets, not in the showdown. It was a, just a sneaky way to actually capture him. That is the premise of Dead for a Dollar. It starts off really well, and then it moves into different layers. There's a new mission from the bounty hunter, and it involves a a character of a woman who's fleeing her husband. That character is played by Rachel Brosnahan. And there's also a bunch of other actors involved. There's Brandon Scott, Warren Burke. There's a person, it becomes a multi-layered narrative, and that is Dead for a Dollar. Eric Holmes, your thoughts on this movie? First of all, the uh, the cinematography or what this this movie looks really strange. It looks like it's got the like the motion smoothing on mm-hmm. uh, on the TV. There, there's something about it, digital um, d- digital filmmaking kind of thing. It's I thought that was the case, and then I looked up the cinematographer, and he's worked with Walter Hill through most of the things he's done. Mm. Um, and certainly uh, recent stuff. So I, I thought maybe it was like older filmmakers used to shooting on film, maybe switching over to digital. I thought maybe that was a thing because I've seen uh, like uh, newer Joe Dante movies kind of look similar, but I don't think that's the case. I, I don't I don't know what it is, but it, it was kind of distracting. And then eventually I just kind of got into it. And it's uh, it's I would probably I would probably compare this to Last Man Standing, where it's just kind of a real hard boiled Western as you might expect from Walter Hill. And that's going to, in some case, in some senses, that's pretty awesome. And in some senses, it's like, Oh God, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this one, uh, probably not my top recommend for a Walter Hill movie. If you're in the mood for a, a hard boiled Western, this might scratch a niche, but I think for most people, probably not a thing to go to. This movie also co-stars Amish Linklater as the rich person who hires Christoph Waltz character to find his wife, again, played by Rachel Brosnahan. Brandon Scott is Elijah. Elijah is a person who is accompanying the woman on her trek to escape from her husband. Benjamin Bratt plays a criminal, just a gunslinger. He's, he, he plays he's criminal. Much, he's, 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 he plays a guy named criminal, not criminal, but he's, <laughs> uh, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He has his own, own set of, he rules, uh, he's, he rules this area in, I guess, in, I guess in Mexico and he's the ruler of the roost and, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things to this movie, Bruce. This movie is in memory or it, it celebrates the work. It just, it, it, the movie is dedicated to Bud Boddicker and Bud Boddicker is known to a lot of Western fans as is one of the, actually the model for West, Western directors who with armed with very little money was, was able to make some really interesting Westerns. So the fact that Walter Hill really uh, spotlighted Bud Boddicker. He's saying this movie is a cheaply made Western with low, low budget, but it is, it's basically honoring the aesthetic of Bud Boddicker, the low budget Western. All that being said, Bruce, you can honor something, but does this movie dead for a dollar work for you? No matter what its intent was. 
Um, overall, I would say no, although there were some things that there were some glimpses of stuff that I could see how it would work. I, I also was really distracted by the look of it. And I know it's low budget, but we've seen uh, what well, we saw old Henry last year. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a low budget movie, but it looked great. And I think to me, I compare the two and the reason I feel like maybe one could look better and work was because old Henry was very simple. It took a simple idea, a simple situation, and it played it through. And this one I thought was just biting off way too much. Like there was too many different storylines, too much going on. I I wanted it to pick a, pick a story and stick with it. You know, are we going to go with the, you know, the gunslinger that's now out that's played by Willem Dafoe and how he's going to interact with um, Christopher Walt, Christoph Waltz's character, or are we going to have this other bad guy that's down in Mexico? And he's also getting, there's just too many removing parts. I thought to, to make it quite cohesive. But there's moments, there's moments in there. There's a ridiculous whip fight that I kind of loved because <laughs> it was just, it was kind of great. It was, that was stupid. It was kind of great. There were some shootouts that were actually pretty well done, but they didn't look great, but they were pretty well staged. There was little scenes that I wanted. This is the kind of stuff I wanted more of. There's a scene later in the movie where Willem Dafoe wakes up. His character wakes up in the morning. He's mad and he's like mad at the cockroaches on his table and he starts shooting at the cockroaches <laughs> on the table. That kind of stuff was like, okay, if we would have just gone heavy with these, the characters and let them really, really expand and really know to two or three characters instead of like 10 characters, I think I would have had a much better time with the movie. But instead it was just kind of, kind of flat. I like, did it seem kind of plot heavy to you? That's what I'm saying. Like there's so yeah. many different things going on you could have just picked there's at least three different kind of plots that you could have picked one of those three and made a whole movie out of it and made it and made the characters really expand within that yeah. within that story kind of like old henry is a perfect example once again very simple story but great characters yeah that keep you involved and you overlook so many low budgety stuff when you love the characters but here i didn't really feel like i, I got little glimpses of what the characters could be but i never got to really get into them in a way that I, I wanted to. So I was, I would say this. If you're a huge fan of Walter Hill, which I am, this is a welcome film to watch because any film that released by Walter Hill will be an immediate watch for me, immediate watch for Eric, definitely. And of course, Bruce will watch it as well. Eric and I are huge, huge Walter Hill fans. I mean, in fact, I think Eric Holmes has seen more Walter Hill films than I have. What's also interesting about this movie is Walter Hill is the co-writer of Dead for a Dollar, and he started off his career as a writer. He's had some really interesting credits. Like, for example, in 1972, he wrote the screenplay for the Steve McQueen classic, The Getaway. He also wrote The Drowning Pool, Drowning Pool, which stars Paul Newman. And obviously, he's he's a great writer. He wrote Streets of Fire, which is one of Eric Holmes' favorite Walter Hill exercises, okay? So many good things about Walter Hill and his career and Death for a Dollar is worth watching if you are part of that Walter Hill universe. You want to, you're a completist. I'm also a huge Western fan. All that said, this movie is almost DOA because I am so excited. I'm giving this movie baseline three stars, mild recommend because I'm a huge Walter Hill fan. Most, for most people who are Western fans, I would give this two and a half. I'm giving this a three star film just because of my lifelong love for Walter Hill. It's a mild recommendation. Eric Holmes mentioned the visual style of the movie. It was so distracting. It was like shooting. I was like watching a home movie. In digital, and it, everything looks so clean. When you see the windswept, sandy streets of the of the town, it doesn't look it doesn't look grainy. It does, you don't feel you feel like you're just in some kind of studio. Even though here there's some really interesting landscape shots of the desert, 
which I think he's trying to make it look really beautiful. It, I think it was just a wrong creative choice with whatever camera or visual style they wanted. Didn't work for me. Felt like a TV movie. That's number one. Number two, the the most interesting part of this movie is the quote unquote anti hero's journey of Joe Cribbins, the gunslinger. I don't think there was a lot a lot of there there were a lot of different subplots in this movie. I don't think there was too much story. I think Walter Hill, as one of the co writers, mixed up the story. Should have been Joe Cribbins' story. He's, <laughs> Willem Dafoe is very charismatic. Even Bruce mentioned the cockroach scene when he's with a, a prostitute and you don't even see her. You just see her, her butt and she's lying down on her st- stomach on the bed and he, he shoots the, that, that scene is one of the best scenes of the movie. And that's Joe Cribbins. Joe Cribbins is how he works. He, there's a scene with him and Benjamin Brad. There's scenes with him playing cards. Those are the scenes that come to life. Unfortunately, the main character is Christoph Waltz's character, Max Borland, as a bounty hunter. And that character is totally DOA. I just have – that is a total cipher. And whenever Christoph Waltz is on screen, not it's it's not Waltz's fault, okay, because he was good in that other Western Django Unchained. I was not interested in the, his story. I was not interested in the Rachel Brosnahan story. I was not interested in the main story whatsoever. If it was just Joe Cribbins working for Benjamin Bratt as the villain – I would have loved this movie. Maybe too much story for Dead for a Dollar, but for me, three stars, and that's a generous three stars for me. Biggest surprise for this movie is it comes out only in theaters September. I can't believe I'm saying this about this Walter Hill movie. I feel so bad, but it comes out in theaters September 30th. I saw Eric Holmes mentioned Last Man Standing. I paid good money as a high schooler (laughs) for Last Man Standing, and I remember when it came out, it got a lot of mixed reviews. I loved it. I went back and I saw it again. I love Walter Hill. I love Last Man Standing. If you're a Walter Hill fan, go see it because you want to see Walter Hill on the big screen. That said, some of your money might be wasted because this movie, Dead for a Dollar, on the big screen is exactly DOA. There's nothing there. Maybe very little things to glean from this movie. Eric Holmes, your rating on Dead for a Dollar. Yeah, I'd probably go uh, two and a half. And yeah, the, pretty much pretty much everything you said. Uh, the Willem Dafoe parts are really good. The uh, Christoph Waltz parts are like... Uh, all right, I guess this is the part we got to wait for the Willem Dafoe <laughs> part to pop up in. But there, there's still some, uh, there's still some uh, Walter Hill that shines through it, so you'll get some good out of it. But yeah, overall, not top tier Walter Hill, I don't think. Old Henry, Murder at Yellowstone City. These are two westerns we've covered yeah. within last year. They're directed by filmmakers. I don't even know. I, I'm forgetting their names, so I'm assuming Walter Hill is. His career is he dwarfs these filmmakers, okay? He is, and Walter Hill is one of the most intelligent auteurs in cinema. Both those movies run circles around Dead for a Dollar. Not circles, like just, it could keep on going and going and going. It, they just kick the living crap out of, out of Dead for a Dollar. Yes, Eric Holmes. Well, this, is, this is actually kind of close to Murder at Yellow, Yellowstone City. But I think Yellowstone City was like, a, from what I remember, it was a little sillier, but it was a you know, you were getting into the characters, and the story was also easier to follow. Yeah, I, I think it was a lot more focused. Yeah, yeah, a lot more focused. A much better movie, in my opinion, uh, than Dead for a Dollar. Now, Bruce, what is your rating for this movie? I would probably go two stars. Two stars. Walter Hill hates you now. Thank you, Bruce Perky, for that rating for <laughs> for Dead for. <laughs> my goodness, is that not a surprise? We're so excited about this Walter Hill film. I end up giving it three stars and that it's a mild recommendation for Dead for a Dollar. Yes, Bruce, two stars. What what are those two stars for? The cockroaches? One star for the cockroach. <laughs> What's the other star for? Uh, the whip fight. Two stars for two whips. <laughs> Listeners, if you're ever making a movie with cockroaches, 
<laughs> Cockro- cockroaches and bullwhip fights that you get automatically two stars from Bruce Berkey just for those <laughs> elements. Again, that is Dead for a Dollar. I just dropped my phone. What's up, listeners? Force 5 is a show about movie-related top five lists, hosted by me, Blacklist screenwriter and ex-video store cinephile Jason Kleberg. I have a new guest on each week, and the guest gets to pick the topic. Past guests have included film directors, screenwriters, actors, critics, comedians, rappers, artists, and other podcasters. Love or hate our picks, you're guaranteed to walk away thinking, what would be on my list? Search Force 5 wherever you get your pods, or head to force5podcast.com. Our third main feature is a movie called Vesper, which I... It is an interesting movie. I don't even know where to start. Life there was like a frozen river. The surface is beautiful. But underneath... a joyless and a lonely life. But you... You are different. I've been talking a lot. Eric, do you want to talk about this movie, the, the plot line, or do you want me to just keep on babbling um, about Vesper? What do you think? Plot you want, line. You want- Let's see. <laughs> We're in a post-apocalyptic world where there's um, powers that be kind of mm-hmm. off screen on a land far away. They're called they the call Citadel. The Citadel. Citadel. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, they have trouble growing food because the people, the powers that be at the Citadel had created seeds and they cannot grow unless they're genetically unlocked. Is that? It's kind of, you know, the science of it kind of, yeah, they need to be genetically, they're scarce. The seeds are scarce. Yeah, well, not necessarily scarce. They just don't work because I I think that was the main thing is that like you plant the seed and it does nothing until you do whatever it does to unlock the seed and then it can and then it can grow. And then you just uh, follow this uh, girl, Vesper, and uh, she's (laughs) never mind. What I was about to I was about to say something that might be a spoiler. Well, no, probably not. uh, So she lives with her dad, but her dad, uh, he's like in a real bad place, but his uh, brain or like he basically controls this uh, floating Android thing. It's a drone. Yeah. Drone. Yeah. Drone. And that's kind of how he gets around. And basically it's just kind of, uh, you're living in this uh, post-apocalyptic world. Eventually they find this, that's where it finds this girl who's supposedly from the Citadel and they're trying to get to the Citadel so they can, Vesper can kind of, cause she's a biologist and she wants to kind of uh, figure out how to grow stuff so people can, eat the girl is played by rory rosie McEwen. that is the character's name is camellia and she's great in this she's very very good and she reminds me of a young nicole kidman rosie McEwen again plays camellia camellia she she's uh she shows up in the middle of narrative 
and she ends up being sort of, who knows, maybe she might be a mother figure to this 13-year-old girl, the aforementioned Vesper. Vesper lives alone with her father. He is paralyzed. He is ailing. And the only, like Eric Holmes says, the only way he can actually survive or actually move around is to not really move around. He moves around via the drone. And and through the drone, he can speak to Vesper whenever Vesper goes via her forging experience. She goes forging in the forest just to find seeds or she's basically surviving by herself. She and her father, she helps support her father and keep them alive above board. Eddie Mersan plays her uncle. Her uncle has a just a property nearby, and he is pretty much lord of this entire domain, this, this pov- poverty-filled domain, but he actually has the power over a lot of these children, these inhabitants of the area, and he rules with an iron fist and He's a very, very bad man. Eddie Marsan, very, very interesting in this movie. You might know him for, from his work with in Sherlock Holmes, but interesting movie all around, visually beautiful, beautiful and immersive, directed by Christina. I me- I'm messing up this name. Bazoit, B-U-O-Z-Y-T-E, Christina Bazoit and Bruno Samper shot in, I believe, Lithuania, runtime of 114 minutes. Bruce Berkey, your thoughts on Vesper? Yeah, I like this quite a bit. This is one of those movies that scared me at the beginning because it started out with, you know, words on the screen telling me about the the Mm -hmm. world that we're going into. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be one of those movies that's full of exposition where they're going to tell us everything, you know, (laughs) and that's such a a tropey thing. And I'm like, oh, man, we're in trouble here. And then it didn't do that anymore. And I was very happy about that. And this is a movie actually that is full of world building. But kind of does to me a little bit of the opposite of what we just talked about with um I can't Dead for a Dollar. Dead for a Dollar. Thank you. I'd already lost the name of that movie. Sorry. Sorry, Walter Hill. Um <laughs> So I was thinking as I was watching it, we've talked a few times recently about movies where you feel like you're in a bigger universe, but you're in a small corner of it. And this is one of those movies as well, where we have tons of world building. It's not all explained to us, but it's done in a way that it's always imaginative and always interesting and makes me want to know more. And I think that is the kind of, especially in a sci-fi, an original sci-fi property that I've never seen before. I don't know if it's based on a graphic novel or something, but it seems like it's part of a bigger world. You can imagine this being a part of a saga where there's just tons of lore about these, you know, synthetic biological creations. And there's these flowers and, and things, plants, plant animals. There's just all this cool stuff in there. There's Things called jugs. I won't say what jugs are. They're not the jugs that you're probably thinking of, but there are things called jugs in this movie. Um, that was totally weird and cool when that came up. I love the little drone. And you, as you go on, you find more about the drone and how the drone operates. In some ways, this almost feels like it has kind of almost Cronenberg elements to it, where it's kind of, but it's almost like more of a plant version, like all the, you know, the body horror, but instead it's almost like plant bio horror elements, but it's also just kind of the world. Uh, and also, and I'll give credit to William Lindis on this one, because he saw this at Fantastic Fest this week as well. He talked about how it's very rare in a post-apocalyptic kind of world, whatever this is, to have it be very green. This is very lush, but they're also kind of kept away from the actual results of those plants. They can't eat them. You know, they can't make them grow. There's a lot of interesting stuff in this movie. I, I really like the world building, especially, and it always kept me interest, interested and intrigued. And it always made me want to know more about this world. So I, I would say uh, high, high praise for this movie. High praise for you, Bruce Perky. Same sentiment for you, Eric Holmes, regarding Vesper. Yeah. Um, also, I want to, I, I was looking up what the budget for this movie was, uh, because the effects in this are 
damn near flawless. Usually in a movie like this, like the the drone, for example, would look CGI. All the plants would look CGI, but they, everything blends in really well. It's almost as if uh, it's it's almost as if they thought ahead of what they wanted to do and then focus on doing that well instead of just like a this looks better than a one hundred million dollar movie. Like in and not the shit on superhero movies more, but those blockbuster type movies, they look like cartoons. Like they, they just throw so many different effects at it and they have so little time to do it that the effects team doesn't have time to make it look good. That make it look passable for a blockbuster, but it doesn't look good. Like everything blends in well. Like I, there's not many parts where I could be able to tell a practical effect from a CGI effect because it's just that clean all the way through. Uh, another thing is uh, Richard Brake. He's the dad. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the second movie I've seen him in where he spends his whole time in the bed. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. He's, he's in uh, Barbarians as well. Yeah, Richard Brake's always good. Um, to uh, Bruce's point, this is kind of similar to Headhunter, where like Headhunter is the little corner of Middle Earth that no one talks about. This feels like a, a little corner of Hyrule. And maybe it's just the, the characters like green, her green jacket that made me think of Link. But is it, this this felt like uh, Legend of Zelda almost. Or not Legend of Zelda, but like the little corner of Legend of Zelda where this weird thing's going on. But yeah, this is a really fantastic movie. And the fun thing is, I could kind of see this having a wide appeal. Like I could really? see this playing. I, I could see this playing at a at a theater if it gets a wide release, and then someone sees and goes, "Oh wow!" And then you know, kind of uh, maybe do that everything everywhere all at once thing, where people just kind of just out of nowhere show up for it. I hope they do because this is a really good movie. Mm, really good movie. Some high praise from Bruce Perky. Some high praise from Eric Holmes. It's in theaters and VOD September thirtieth. Here's a big surprise. We mentioned Dead for Dollar, only in theaters September 30th. That rule should have applied to Vesper because yeah. this movie on the big screen, William Linus was very lucky to see this on the big screen. This is one of the things is, look, we are privileged to get the early screening links of Vesper. We are at the disadvantage of actually not watching it on the theater. This is a huge, this is the first, one of the only times when I say all three of us, all three of us are at a disadvantage for not watching one of this year's most beautiful looking films, Vesper, on the big screen. I was, as Eric Holmes said, this felt like a $100 million movie. And if so, even better than a lot of the $100 million movies we watch. I was blown away by this movie. Here's the thing. One of the things that they that a lot of people say, don't use heavy voiceover in movies. But, you know, there's movies like Goodfellas. Love it, right? Another rule is don't overload your movie with a lot of music and score. Vesper is just filled with music all over the place. And I did not mind it. one. Bruce mentioned world building. All of that incessant score and music washed over me and worked for me. It, this is an immersive experience. And I wish I saw this in the big screen. We also kind of buried the lead. Rafaela Chapman as Vesper is gives this year one of this year's best performances. She is fantastic. A 13-year-old basically the lead in this movie. We mentioned the aforementioned Richard Brake and the 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 co-star who's the co-star Rosie McEwen, they're very good, but she's the one who carries the movie. Eddie Marsan's very good too. And for a 13-year-old, she goes through a lot of stuff in this film. There's a lot of stuff that happens to her character that she was able to manage and I think she is a star in the making. Christina, um, I apologize for the last name, Buzoit, Buzoit and Bruno Samper, one of the reasons why they, I think in an interview, they were mentioning that Vesper was made because they spent maybe years in Hollywood trying to get their own movie made, sort of these a big budget movie in Hollywood and it just never panned out. I'm just wondering after Vesper, Hollywood better come knocking on their doors because 
what they've created with with this movie with assumedly not a hundred million dollar budget is absolutely for me staggering to be to behold and the final moments of vesper i'm talking about sticking the landing gets you yeah. if you read into it i mean and i think we're going to talk about it very like five a five minute read we do a spoiler section and we're going to put it up on our website findyourfilms.com i think i'm going to actually ask bruce and eric what they thought about the ending of the movie but for me it was very resonant i read it in a i ascribed a lot of meaning to it beautiful film so let's go for ratings regarding vesper Start with you, Eric Holmes. Your rating on Vesper. I'll probably go four and a half on this one. Four and a half from Eric yeah. Holmes. Those are high. I, I'm leaning towards five, but okay, no. four. Yeah, but, yeah, leave. yeah. I'll do four and a half on this. Cool. What about you, Bruce Perky? I'll do the same. I'll do four and a half. Eric and Bruce, four and a half stars. And for me, I'm going to give it the rating that I wanted to give for Dead for a Dollar. I'm giving this movie five stars, right? An easy five stars for me. So that is our reviews for Vesper. Four and a half for both Eric and Bruce. I give this movie five stars. Highly recommend Vesper. And look, this is one of these movies... I can't wait for us to really talk about the spoilers just a little bit towards not all, it's not going to be on this podcast feed, but we're going to put it on our website and we'd love to, we'd love for you guys to watch it and tell us what you think regarding the ending of this interesting movie, Vesper. Okay. Now let's get to our recommends. We're done with our featured reviews. Eric, you have a couple of movies that you want to recommend. Uh, there's a, there's a, the Atari 2600 game Asteroids. What is that about? Can you very quickly say why why that's a recommend for you? Asteroids. I like like that movie. Well, this is uh this is not typical recommend for this show because we talk about movies. But I did watch the uh, uh, NASA's Dart Impact with the asteroid uh, Dimorphos. There's a asteroid Didymos, and Dimorphos is the satellite going around it. So what the Dart mission is going to do. Is it's going to fly this uh, ship into uh, uh, Dimorphos, slowing it down, and then it'll ideally the it'll kind of start getting closer to Didymos, or we don't know really yet until a couple of months from now. But it was uh, it was a real time the uh, lady talking about the the Dart mission, and as she does it, there's a thing in the bottom where you to see uh, Dimorphos and Didymos just get closer and closer until Didymos goes off screen, and you just see Dimorphos, and then until you just see like the rocky uh, skin of the uh, meteor until it crashed. It was pretty freaking cool to see. Uh, the other one is a movie on Netflix called Athena. I just put it in for 10 minutes. And if that one right at the top doesn't blow you away, <laughs> then bail. Uh, but it's pretty sweet. Athena's basically, it's actually an idea I had for a movie for a long time. And I've been hoping to see a movie like this and they finally made one, but uh, it's uh, cops murder someone. And all of a sudden, the people in the area are sick of it, so they have an uprising. And so the movie starts off with uh, just people rushing and uh, overtaking this police station, and chaos just ensues from there. It follows three three different brothers. Uh, one brother's on the uh, side of the uprising, one brother's a cop, and one brother's a drug dealer that doesn't want anything to do with anything. Just leave me alone. So I can sell my drugs, but it's a really fantastic movie and it's on Netflix. So check it out. Okay, cool. That is Athena and also the, that asteroid mission, the Demorphous. What is Demorphous with asteroid Demorphous? Athena, again, yep. streaming on Netflix. Bruce, you have a movie that is streaming on HBO Max. How dare you change your subscriptions? What's going on with your HBO <laughs> Max subscriptions? Now you're standing HBO Max. What, what you got for us? 
had to get rid of the evil mouse, uh, but I can't say who it is anymore. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Bruce. Thank you. <laughs> Hashtag um, monetization. Come I, on. I finally caught up with a movie I'd never seen, but I heard about forever, so I thought I better check it out since I have access to it now, and that is The Piano Teacher from 2001, Michael Haneke, obviously known for very tough movies. Uh, Amour. Amour. Funny uh, games. Funny games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Here's> some, <laughs> yeah, less. Yeah. Follow that bird. Yeah, yeah, follow that bird. That's a, this is early like Disney uh, <laughs> Muppet era. No kidding, no kidding. But the piano teacher. Oh my gosh, this is a lot of a movie. Go in if you looking at his previous work. If you're ready to kind of dive in, go for it. I don't know if either of you have seen this movie. Oh. Uh, it stars Isabelle Huppert. Johnny? Oh, Huppert. Okay, Huppert. Huppert. I guess this is this won the Cannes Palme d'Or. I believe. I think she won Best Actress, and I think the actor in this Ben Benoit Magimel mm-hmm. won Best Actor. And I think after that, they changed the rules of Cannes that they couldn't have so many awards for one movie. If nothing else, this movie is impeccably acted, but it is tough, and it take it watches. One of the most toxic, quote, relationships I've ever seen put on film, uh, the the piano teacher, which is Isabel Huppert's character. I'm going to go into two. We're going to go quick on this, but uh, she is like the most strict, severe taskmaster. She wants perfection. She has no problem having young, uh, hopeful pianists leave in tears and crushed. Uh, but also, as you slowly start to find out, she has a very dark and not so healthy social side of her life when she gets out of the teaching environment. And that side of her life is what slowly starts to rise to the surface as she meets a young man that she becomes, I'll say, obsessed with in some degree. Uh, it's it's a hard movie. I can't. I won't get into the details of it. It, it goes places that are pretty tough. And it's not an easy watch, and it's not necessarily a, quote, fun watch, but it's very, very high-quality, challenging filmmaking if you are up for that sort of thing. Okay, Isabel Huppert, it's a tough watch. It's a lot. Apples and Oranges, Bruce, The Piano Teacher, or a recent Isabel Huppert film, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, which one? <laughs> well, I would say Mrs. Harris would be a great palate cleanser <laughs> if you watch this movie. <laughs> what would so. I forgot, Eric, what would you give Athena? What is your rating on Athena? It- Kind of uh, could have went a little harder in certain things. I'll go four stars, but still really good. The Piano Teacher, Bruce, what is your rating on that? I'll probably go four stars. I mean, it's probably five star in quality, but it's four star in like enjoyable factor, I guess. You know, so. Okay. You know, enjoyable factor is also a matter of opinion, folks. If you know what Bruce does for kicks is on, on, on off weekends when he has a lot of time, he just watches Haneke's Amour on loop. So I don't know. Enjoyable is a kind of a weird thing, right? Bruce on Amour. Rewatch funny a- games. Keep rewinding <laughs> yeah, just- it. Yeah, just get to know, get, just get to know your strangers. So anyways, that's interesting. Haneke, the piano teacher, but you, people will value, people who value what will enjoy the piano teacher, Bruce? Uh, I would say definitely people who value like the really challenging, uh, movies of that sort. You know what I mean? Like those kind of, um, <clears throat> hardcore character pieces that are not afraid to kind of be transgressive and t- taxi driver. You like that kind of stuff where it's really going hard places, but it's doing it in a quality way uh, and it's not going to go necessarily where you expect it to go. I think you might like that kind of stuff. And one more thing, Eric Holmes, people who will love Athena if they like what viscerally driven narratives or. Yeah, probably, probably closer to, uh, oh, what was that, Ryan Coogler, Fruitvale Station? Or what was that, uh, that one with Matthew McConaughey, the one, the TV show? Young, um, True Detective. 
True Detective. There's Ooh. a winner in that. This movie's got winners all over the place. Almost every every different shot just like sets up one winner, goes for ten minutes, you know, does the thing, and then does another one. So there's a bunch of those. Also for the Dart Impact, uh, I will give that a six point nine stars. Um, eventually, they will be making a documentary about it, but I don't know why because it's happened. It's already on YouTube, so just watch that and watch everything go down in real time. Okay, very cool. Is is that uh, asteroid thing? Is that based on real life? Here it comes. Because yeah, I only watched movie. Okay, two days ago as okay, we're cool, recording this. Cool. <laughs> I, I have no no conception of reality whatsoever. I have no idea what's going on. So it will be interesting to see. Nah, the Earth is flat, and uh, it's just uh, it's just NASA fucking with us, man. It's just okay. all CGI. That's enough, Eric. I already knew that. Okay, so next up is Ace in the Hole, directed by this guy. I think I know him. His name's Billy Wilder. He's also one of the writers. He wrote this movie with, you know, he co- Billy Wilder co-wrote it with Lester Samuels and Walter Newman. And I really feel like not even talking about this movie because this is a what's in the box picks. What's in the box picks. But uh, but we're actually starting to now all three of us have to watch, watch these what's in the box uh, features. Billy Wilder, Ace in the Hole. The reason why I don't want to really talk too much about it is because Kirk Douglas is one of the favorite actors of Eric Holmes. And this is, I was, Bruce, did you know this? I was looking at our Cinematics Facebook Facebook group. And by the way, join our Facebook group, folks, if you want some daily movie recommendations. I was checking out our Cinematics Facebook group, Bruce, and several years ago, one of the movie recommendations was Ace in the Hole. And one of the people who recommended it was none other than, uh, I believe, Eric Holmes. So four years ago, he recommended Ace in the Hole. We already know know what he thinks about it. This is a first time watch for you, Bruce. It's about a big time journalist who is now small time because of his abuse of drink, abuse of authority, abuse of morality. He actually has to work at some, I believe, Albuquerque newspaper because he, <laughs> he, he's lost his, he's lost, he's a talented journalist, but he, all the big cities don't want him anymore. He, ends up Albuquerque as a news editor. He actually stumbles onto the story about a a, a man, an average Joe who's trapped in a cave, who he was looking for some really interesting Indian pots, but the Indian pots is not the lead of the story. The lead of this, this story, the, this story for this journalist is this man trapped in a cave and they have an amount, an X amount of days to get the get this man out and actually save him and this journalist played by kirk douglas what is his name in this he plays charles tatum charles or chuck tatum chuck tatum realizes this might be the story to get him out of town so it's a really cool movie that was released in the year of 19 i believe 1951 i think that's when it was yeah, yeah 1951 runs runs an hour and 51 minutes this is a classic film okay that said were you surprised at how brilliant ace in the hole was or is it did it live up to your expectations i was i was a little surprised by how brilliant it was too yes (laughs) this movie i think this is one of those movies that if anyone gives it a chance and they're thinking old movie you know what you're in for give it a chance because i think it might exceed your expectations because it did even exceed my expectations and i had pretty high expectations i mean i've heard about it for a long time and i know that you guys loved it and i knew it was going to be good and it's one of those things i just never got around to watching I would say within the first 20 minutes, I had stopped writing down like lines of dialogue because there are so many amazing lines of dialogue in this movie. A couple, I'll just throw your way. If there's no news, I'll go out and bite a dog. Then, <laughs> do you drink a lot? Not a lot, just frequently. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's just, and it just keeps going and keeps going. So yeah, he gets sent out on the, to go cover this rattlesnake hunt. And on the way, they discover this guy's been trapped in this cave at this little roadside 
stand. By the way, I looked it up. You can see where this is done, where this was done, where this is filmed. There's still weird little roadside stands nearby. Not the exact same one, but very similar. It was one of the biggest sets ever built at the time because they built that whole Pueblo set in front of that cave in that wall there. What is unexpected to me about this movie is the level of dark satire the level of way of criticism towards the press and towards the american public's like thirst for if it bleeds it leads this movie is all about that and it's all about corruption on every side you know from our main character who is an anti-hero all the way not even a hero just an anti-antagonist Some might say straight up yeah. villain yeah straight up villain <laughs> to everybody he meets and how he either corrupts them or they willingly become part of it. There's a, there's a scene, I won't describe what happens. There's a scene with him and a police officer or a sheriff that's amazing where they decide on how to dig this man out or how not to dig this man out. And uh, that scene is, is stunning. And then there's the wife of the man who's stuck in the hole. Was it played by uh, Jan Sterling? She's amazing too. Cause she's just like, I'm out of here. See ya. He's stuck in the hole. I'm leaving town. It's like, wait, wait. <laughs> you're going to make money if you stay. And she's like, oh. <laughs> and I won't get into the details. The way the story unfolds and the way it's it's just a, a snapshot of society, hard stop, society. Not society in the 50s, society. This is one of those crazy movies that you watch that is super timely. Other than cell phones and, and the internet sharing the story, it totally works. And it totally works as kind of this scathing look at what people are all about really. And it's entertaining as hell. It's just entertaining. And it's shot amazingly. There's some epic shots in this. I'm going to stop talking and let you guys talk, but there's a shot. I think it's where, is it a train that stops nearby? And you have this crane shot above the train and everyone floods out of the train and over to the, the, the carnival-like atmosphere that's built up around this cave. Yeah, And it's, it's, it's like a shot you'd see in like a biblical epic, but it's not. And it's amazing because the whole idea of spectacle, we talked about Nope this year and how spectacle and what it's talking about. This movie is right on par with that. This movie is like right in line with the stuff in that movie. Yeah, that this seems like a very – I was surprised upon the second watch the visual scope of this movie. It is lensed by Charles Lang. Charles Lang, he is one of Hollywood's most revered cinematographers. He had a really long career and obviously back in the day in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, DPs would work on sometimes more than one or two films a year. But just look, Ace in the Hole, he, other movies that he lends include Billy Wilder, Sabrina, The Man from Laramie. Uh, there's some really interesting movies. There's a movie called The Foreign Affair, which I liked, The Ghost in Mrs. Muir. He, this guy is considered one of the premier cinematographers, Sudden Fierce, premier cinematographers of his day. I am surprised that this movie did not get more Oscar nominations. I absolutely loved everything about Ace in the Hole. Worked better a second time around for me upon viewing. But Eric Holmes, I'm sure you've seen this more than twice. What did you, what do you love about Ace in the Hole so much? I saw this one in Paths of Glory in the same day. For the first time in the same day, I don't. I think uh, Paths of Glory. It was like I, I like Kubrick, and it was like I, I keep skipping on this one. I'll just watch it, and then I picked up Ace in the Hole, and I can't remember why I picked up Ace in the Hole, but I put it in Paths of Glory, and I was like, this movie's fucking awesome. Well, I guess I better put in Ace in the Hole. <laughs> this is going to be the disappointing one. Score. I put that on. I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome too. And therein began my love affair with Kirk Douglas. <laughs> this was going to be the, uh, this was going to be the, uh, the lesser of the two that I got. And it turned out that they're both fantastic. Pretty much everything that Bruce said, I agree with. Uh, Kirk Douglas's character, he's just kind of a 
a shit and it's uh it's something that you could see you could definitely see people doing like exploiting people that way in fact you do see people exploiting people that way and yeah it's just uh really dark really fucked up and kind of kind of funny almost like yeah, uh, when you see something like so fucked up it's not funny but you laugh just because it's like <laughs> oh god <laughs> you're doing that so uh yeah the ace in the holes pure classic status everyone should watch it and it's and also uh, like many old black and white movies it's not the it's not homework like at all yeah this movie is more of a documentary than an actual movie because like bruce says it's it really is a snapshot of society no matter what you're living in so this is not a dated movie whatsoever visually it's beautiful to watch even though our buddy anderson Cowan doesn't like black and white you don't have to yeah you know look if you're not the biggest black and white fan there are so many really cool images and like eric holmes is saying there's enough satire to go around to make you really interested in ace in the hole also let's talk about the operatic bombastic performance by kirk douglas he is all over the in the plays in this movie he is fantastic the aforementioned what is her name jan sterling like bruce was saying oh. she she's just like straight out of a dime store novel i mean that in yeah. the best way i mean that in the purest way she is so great in this movie i want to see more films with jan sterling in this so many great things about this movie this is one of these movies it's a classic that maybe you don't have to wait 10 or 15 years to revisit it this is a classic that should be on your shelf and you can just put it in when you're cleaning the garage or, or just for the dialogue or just to watch. This is a rewatch. This is one of those rare rewatchable classics. You can watch it 40 times and you'd still love it. I, the ending is fantastic. The ending is crazy <laughs> good. Crazy good. Ace in the hole. The, do we, Eric and Bruce, do we even have to rate this movie? We, do we all know what? Let's give it all the stars. <laughs> okay. Eric, Straight up 6.9 yeah. stars. Yeah. And then Eric. Uh, Bruce, you got five star classic for you. Five stars for yeah. me. Eric Holmes, you got to say something. I, yeah, I was gonna uh, point out. I think one thing that's kind of dated in this is like the sexism. But I like in my head, that's, I'm like, that's not dated. I, I, what? I, I, I do that all the time, I, I, and I get stabbed I, for I, it. I what, what, what? No, no, you send me videos all the time. But uh, <laughs> but like uh, uh, the the kind of sexism that goes on. I, I imagine someone watching this going, yeah, Ace in the Hole. It, I don't know if I can watch it because of the sexism. It just makes me not like the main character. I'm like. Oh, that's what made you not like yeah, the exactly. Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> can I tell you though, if you are a total sociopath, you can take Ace in the Hole. I was kidding with Bruce and Eric the other day, but if you're a total sociopath, you can watch Ace in the Hole is actually as a business model on how to succeed in business. <laughs> Because you get a good story and yeah. then look out of the story, look, you can, you can actually segment it and cut up the sausage and make it even more stories and you can make money and then you can make, make merch, merchandise. You can actually cook cheeseburgers along with it. You can get exclusive global rights. This is actually the how to succeed in business in a weird, very sad way, but it's, it's very a, true. Yeah. It's uh, baby Jessica. That's right. That's right, Eric. It's, it's baby. Or Jessica. the Simpsons. Let's send our love down the hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, it's comedy. It's tragedy. But look, do it, it, this whole idea about Ace in the Hole, do people want to read about good news and happiness and empathy? No, they mm -hmm. want to read good about Good news is no news. That's right, Eric. Right from the source, right? The, the actual <laughs> line from Ace in the Hole. Very good, Eric Holmes. So yeah, highest marks. If you haven't seen Ace in the Hole yet, find it. I pay for it. Go go on YouTube. I used to I, I used to make fun of Eric Collins back in the day for renting stuff on YouTube. Now I just rent stuff on YouTube all the time. So good <laughs> job on that. It's worth a rental twice over. It's even worth, I don't even know what kind of physical media it's available. If you uh, They have the, the Criterion. That That's what I got it on. So, oh, um, very, very good. Yeah. Totally worth it. 
Totally worth it. Eric Holmes, that is very good. He has it on Criterion Collection. I'm sure Bruce, if, if Bruce and I actually had some money or we were at Entertainment, Entertainment Mart and we had some cash, we'd buy that, buy that as well. Right, Bruce? If you had some extra yes, cash on you? for sure. Yeah. Yes, but uh, Bruce and I are, are penniless. We have, we're, we're at negative 3,000, 3,000 years of longing as far as our currency goes. That is it for our show. Before we go, I, I forgot to mention that Pita Beta is, is out there out in the cold, uh, beating the skins and we, we have no musical interlude. Do you have anything to do? Can, can he drop, can he still drop the beat even though we're done with the show, Eric Holmes? What do you think? Yeah. Yo, Pete, go back and drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, we're back. I have a nice plug for Middle Class Film Class. If you want to check out their review, they have a really cool review of this 2018 film called Freaks, which stars Emile Hirsch. I don't know, Bruce Berkey or Eric Holmes. Have you ever seen Freaks? Yes? Uh, No. No? Okay, okay, no. Bruce Berkey, should Eric Holmes see Freaks per the Middle Class Film Class? Freaks is a type of movie he doesn't usually like that I think he would like. Oh, very interesting. And it's got Bruce Dern in it. (laughs) <laughs> so I thought uh, in my head, the movie got in my head is just uh, a bunch of freaky looking people coming out going, look, I'm weird. And then the, I, I didn't think there was uh, much else going on beyond that. <laughs> that would be a Rob Zombie movie. I think <laughs> that'd be the, mo- the monsters that- is out. I'm going to, I'm going to watch that this week. <laughs> yeah. The monsters is out. Also freaks is out in on, on various, definitely uh, di- digital outlets. Check out freaks and then check out Peter beta and Tyler Noe and Joseph Navarro over at middle class film class. Also check out Bruce Perky. He, he did a, in a recent episode with walk the cinema. They did a review of the movie, the innocence and Eric Holmes was also recently on walk the cinema. He did a movie called, Cloak and Dagger, which stars Henry Thomas and Eric Holmes. Who else was in it? Dabney Coleman. Dabney Coleman. Yes, a hero of the day. We love Dabney Coleman. We love you guys. Thank you so much for supporting us here on Find Your Film. Final words, Eric Holmes. Actually, um, I posted this on the Cinematics page. Uh, no one's claimed it yet. I got a ticket for to see Goblin up at uh, the Stanley Motel here in SS Park, and I clicked on the wrong thing and got a ticket in Seattle first. So if anyone wants it, it's not claimed. Email me at hamslime at gmail.com. And first person to say, hey, Eric, I want it, I will just give it to you. But with one caveat... You gotta come on the show and tell us about the show, the Goblin show. Maybe, oh. maybe, maybe that'll be the payment for the ticket. But uh, if you don't want to do that, that's fine too. I'm, I'm just trying to get rid of the ticket because I, I bought an extra one on accident, and yeah. it's in Seattle on this October okay. 9th. It, it, it's in Seattle. Okay. Email hamslime dot uh, hamslime at gmail dot com. Very generous offer from Eric Holmes. If it was me, I would have charged you guys double. That's the way I am. That's the way I learned from Ace in the Hole. Speaking of our real Ace in the Hole for our show, Bruce Berkey. Final thoughts. I would just say, if you live in a town and your sheriff has a pet rattlesnake in a box, leave that town. <laughs> With that, guys, we'll see you next week here on Find Your Film. 